You're listening to the Crop Disease Podcast, a podcast that will keep you up to date on how to manage common crop diseases faced by Australian growers. Have you ever heard of a lab-based professor going out to the country and trying his hand at seeding? I hadn't heard of one. Not until now anyway. CCDM's Deputy Director, Professor Josh Milne, has done just this. As I make this podcast, he is currently on day four of a 12-day experience, where he's swapped the lab bench for the seeding rig and travelled out to the far eastern side of the WA Wheat Belt to Marvel Lock to stay with farmer Clint Delabosca. As a scientist who works on agrochemicals, Josh says the idea of the trip is to better appreciate how farmers use them. So in this podcast, Josh will give a quick rundown on how, on how he's going with it all, but we'll also hear from Clint too, who will give an update on his seeding program as well as his plans for the coming season. So stay with us for a good one. So first up to Josh. So tell me, Josh, where are you at the moment? Um, so I'm out near Marvel Lock, Southern Cross, which is the, um, the very eastern uh, wheat belt in Western Australia. So I'm out here helping um, Clint Delabosca and his dad, uh, Wayne, uh, with some of their seeding. And what's your background? Is helping out with seeding something you've ever done before? <laughs> no, it's not. No, so my research is on um, agrochemicals, so I work on discovering uh, new herbicide modes of action, um, mostly through biochemistry and structural uh, biology. Um, and at the CCDM, I'm starting a new line of research on fungicide biotransformation, so the things that plants turn fungicides into and how they deactivate them, the speed with which they do it and what they do chemically. Oh, brilliant. So you'd say this experience is going to help your work? Yeah, I think so. Well, the purpose is a bit, I guess you call it a bit of personal development, basically understand a bit more about the end use. Um, but also it's about um, getting to know um, some of those farmers whose levies fund um, the CCDM through the GRDC. Yeah, absolutely. So what have you learnt so far? Uh, that I'm not very good at picking tram tracks when I'm driving a sprayer at the moment. <laughs> I'm still a bit of a muffet at, at that. No, um, uh, what have I learnt so far? Um, logistics is really interesting out here. It's obviously pretty tough even just finding things around. Um, uh, I've learned uh, how to drive a truck. I did that today. Um, learned how to actually operate air brakes for the first time, which was good. Um, even just watching the agrochemicals getting mixed and put together, I think, has been quite insightful. So it's only day two. So I'm going to be out here for 14 days. So plenty more time to learn more stuff. Can I just ask you, you did mention the project you're working at CCDM. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So in the same way, you know, you take Panadol or Ibuprofen, you have to take it every four or five hours because your body breaks it down. And it doesn't just spit it out, it, it biologically, chemically modifies the ibuprofen or the Panadol into things that are chemically related, but they don't kill pain anymore, so they stop working. Plants do the exact same thing to agrochemicals, so agrochemicals get biotransformed by plants into things that no longer do what they were supposed to do, whether it be a herbicide or whether it be a fungicide. So most of the work that's been done on biotransformations mostly in residues and degradation it's not necessarily about understanding whether the biotransformed chemicals are still active or not so what i'm going to try and do is work with organic synthetic chemists and we're going to make most of the metabolized agrochemicals just to see which ones of them are still active because you can change something a bit and it can keep working um, and sometimes you change it a little bit and it won't and that understanding is not quite there so I think we'll have that if we team up with chemists. So what will this research mean for growers? 
Well, it's a long way off, but I'd like to think that we could be proactive. So if we have a better picture of when a crop is or isn't protected from um, fungal pathogens, um, we can actually start making accurate predictions about when it isn't isn't protected if we've got a better idea of the, the full gamut of chemicals that are inside a plant and whether it still is actually protected or not. So hopefully some proactivity we could say, you know, what percentage protection a crop might have that um, um, rather than retrospectively look at crops that have been lost and try and understand why um, we might be able to be on the front foot. Sounds like a great project. And thank you for your time, Josh. I'll let you get back to the seeding. It sounds like there's a lot of things going on in the background. Yeah, no, we got a, we're just quickly up. At, I've just in, popped into reception. So we're back at the farm, just briefly drop off a couple of drums and we're going to go back, pick up Clint, who's spraying at the moment, and need us to go get him. So, um, yep, we're off. Oh, brilliant stuff. Well, thank you for talking to us and we'll check in with you later, okay? No worries. All right, see ya. <sighs> So we've now picked up Clint and we found some more reception, thank goodness. So let's listen to the quick chat I had with Clint over his seeding program and the coming season. So I now have Clint Delabosca with me, a farmer from Marvel Lock, right out on the eastern side of the WA Wheat Belt. Clint, can you tell me a bit about your farm? What sort of annual rainfall do you expect and what do you normally grow out there? Um, so yeah, we're normally 275 to 285 since the 2000 year 2000. We have dropped off. Um, our average has dropped off probably about 20 mil in the last 20 years probably. Main staple crops obviously wheat, uh, wheat, barley. Um, we do grow canola, lupins, oats and we muck around with a few uh, vetches and a bit of mustard, sort of a fallow, fallow crop. Uh, we used to run sheep, uh, we got out of them uh, in January last year. Uh, reason being is we just found the two enterprises under uh, declining rainfall too hard to manage and with a declining workforce we um, we just couldn't we couldn't make the two meet it's not that we weren't making a lot of money out of the sheep the sheep were really good we just something just had to break it was either us or an enterprise in our business so we chose to step away from the sheep for a couple of years and just see what happens and concentrate on our cropping program and how has that gone so far is it going well uh, well last year obviously was um, was a pretty good year um, exclude the frost. The frost did probably 40% of our yield potential but we still made budget budget crop yields and uh, with the increase in price it was financially it was a, a pretty decent sort of year. If you had that every year you wouldn't complain too much I don't think. so. That's really good. So how is seeding going so far? Um, so we're about 60% through so I reckon we're probably about a week behind where I would like to be. Um, just to take the pressure off the back end of May, um, so yeah, uh, so we're yeah, not not too unhappy with where we're at. Um, most of the stuff we have seeded has has emerged and established in a reasonable condition. Rain has been a bit patchy, but we have been a bit lucky on a few areas on our farm to get some storms and and um, and get some canola and lupins. The lupins look quite good. The canola establishment's probably normal. It's a bit here and there and all over the place, but overall generally pretty happy yeah oh, that's pretty good so what's it like having the ccm director you director with you helping you out no it's really good um yeah so it's it's always nice to show people what we do um i hope he doesn't go away with too many bad habits but <laughs> we don't teach him some stuff that he doesn't need to know but um no it, it's good um so yeah, it's always always good to have, especially the researchers and the guys that are developing the technology to come out and just see how 
how we might attempt to use this stuff that they're, they're going to build for us in the future. It's, it's a link that we're sort of missing or have been missing in the past and if we can grow that link and, and that connection, I think we're only going to be better for it. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you planning on trying anything new this year or are you doing any new technology? Um, so we're um, using Roundup Ready Canola proper for the first time. We have tried a few trials here and there, but we're actually using it proper for the first time in the system. Um, we've also got a 60 hectare trial paddock of safflower in, um, just to see whether that, that crop type's got some fit um, in our farming, um, and try and also try to get a break crop that handles back-end terminal drought and gets us out of the frost window, which is, and also a higher value crop um, as well. So we'll see how that goes. That's in, and, and uh, the, uh, the agronomist said this morning that, that some of it has emerged, so we'll be watching that with a bit of interest over the year to see how that goes. Um, other than that, no, not really. Oh, um, just a bit of um, machinery. We sort of bought a um, steering hitch for our air seeder to try and maintain a uh, edge row seeding placement, which is... Um, seems to be working it's it's taken a bit of time to get used to and get it set up properly but um, it seems to be uh, doing a, a reasonable job so hopefully that can help us in the future yeah sounds brilliant how did you go last season did you experience any crop disease issues um, generally we we sort of because we're so dry um, crop disease has never been a focus for us um, but I, I do believe we did see um, some low levels of sclerotinia in our canola and our lupins. Obviously, we didn't treat it or spray for it, but I reckon it was there. Um, um, net blotch in barley is always a focus, um, so we've always treated our seed and and been pretty proactive in putting a fungicide over the top when need be. But um, yeah, so it just depends on what sort of finish in in August and September we get with that one on whether we do have to, but. We've always, and we do in-furrow treatments on our multi-cereal crops, so we do have that in the back of the mind, but with the, um, the conditions we normally experience and the low level of rain, we, we generally don't worry too much about our, our crop diseases because it generally costs too much to treat for the benefit we get, although we hope in the future that might change, but yeah. Yeah, sounds good to me, Clint. Well, thanks for talking with me today and all the best for the coming season. Hope everything goes well. And hope Josh keeps working well for you. Yeah, we've got eight more days. We'll be good. <laughs> All right, cheers, thank you. Well, it sounds like everything is going really well for Josh and Clint, which is great. And that's all we have time for today. But if you have a crop disease topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know. You can follow us and let us know on Twitter at the CCDM. You can also sign up to our blog and get more information just like this at ccdm.com.au. And if you like this podcast, why not tell your mate or colleague about it? Go on. Well, that's all for now. You'll hear from us next month for more crop disease discussions. See you then. This podcast is brought to you by the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, a national centre co-supported by Curtin University and the Brains Research and Development Corporation. 